Hey everyone, this is Dave Cruz from Flyber Labs, a podcast on business and innovation in the Midwest and beyond. Here you'll meet fascinating people and learn about new technologies and practices that will change how you look at life and business. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Flyer Labs, and today we get to talk to Bastian Yanamat. Bastian is the CEO and co-founder of DataFox, and DataFox is an AI platform that helps businesses bring more intelligence to their sales and marketing process, and they're backed by Goldman Sachs, Google Ventures, Stanford, and Slack, so not, not too bad of a list there. So I'm excited to learn more about DataFox and what they're, how they're exactly using machine learning and how their process is uh, better than you know traditional sales and marketing research and qualifications. So, uh, Bastian, thanks for uh, coming on the show today. Thanks for having me, Dave. Really excited to be on here today. Definitely. And so uh, tell us about, uh, before we get into DataFox and what you're doing now, can you tell us how you got to be where you are now? Sure, sure. Uh, let's see. I'll give you the short background, but a bit, bit of personal context, I guess. I, uh, I'm Originally from the Netherlands, so I'm, uh, uh, I've only been in the States for about five years. Um, before I moved here, my first job when I, when I graduated from uh, undergraduate, uh, my undergraduate degree in the Netherlands, my first job was in London. I worked there for uh, an investment bank. And I was like, 22 years old, and I was basically uh, I was an investment analyst, which basically means you're part researcher and part sales rep in the sense that my job was to comb through massive range of data to find uh, companies that seemed to be taking off. Uh, that was the research part. And then I'd put my sales hat on and hit the phones, try to reach out to the people running those interesting businesses, oftentimes trying to reach CEO, CFO, or other kind of senior folks there, to, to explain to them who we are. Uh, and why we might be able to help them grow. Uh, and it was all about building a relationship. Um, it was an interesting job. You know, I didn't know anything about the world, so, so learned a lot about interesting industries and businesses. But I was always kind of staggered by the fact that uh, so much faith was put in me as a, as a 22-year-old to kind of figure out where to find the right data that I, would actually motivate these, these enormous investment decisions. You know, so I always found that kind of weird. But I didn't really have a big comparison. I didn't know how other businesses worked. Uh, I did that for about four years, and then I moved to the United States to get my MBA. And uh, I did my MBA at, at Stanford, which is an exciting place for a, a, a business guy like me to go do an MBA because it's such a uh, it, it's such a great technology school and learning ground, right? So whereas a lot of my classmates were uh, spending a lot of time at the business school, I actually ventured over to the computer science department and was hanging out there all the time. And uh, this is where I started learning about some of the advanced, incredible advancements in artificial intelligence and other, uh, you know, computer science and engineering methods. To basically, what I saw was there are all these great methods to do what I'd been doing manually, but to do that automatically. And uh, another, there was one other classmate of mine who also I could tell was spending a lot of his time over there at the computer science department. Uh, his name is Mike Dorsey. And uh, funnily enough, he had also been working in finance for a couple of years. So. You know, over over many years and hackathons, we kind of compared notes and realized, hey, this this is the future. You know, we can. It, I, I think big big companies, uh, organizations, uh, investment firms, they are putting too much, uh, you know, risk in their methods just by uh, relying on on young people to find.
find the right information. So we set out to build a, uh, a computer-driven method to, to basically do what we've been doing manually, not to re- replace those young analysts, but to make them far more effective. And so kind of full circle, four years later, now the investment bank I used to work for, Goldman Sachs, is a, is a customer. And uh, the, the, the 22-year-old there now they don't have to sit in spreadsheets all day trying to manually figure out what, what data to go look for. They use DataFox to uh, find information on, on millions of businesses at the same time so that they can wear more of their sales hat and actually go out and build relationships with these companies. Uh, so, yeah, it's been kind of, kind of a fun adventure. Nice. And, and so what type of uh, data do you deliver to that 22-year-old in the investment bank? Yeah, the way to think about it is uh, uh, we we use algorithms to find all of the information that's publicly available out of, about a business, and we, we structure it all into into a clean data set. So a way to think about it is if you or I were to go do research on, on one company, uh, where would we go look? We'd, we'd start on their website, probably. We'd read their About Us page. We'd look at their products. Maybe there's information on their blog We'd read the recent news articles about that business. We check LinkedIn and Twitter and other social feeds. And uh, you put that all together, we paint a pretty interesting picture of, of that business. Uh, but that, that's the kind of work that's required. Now, DataFox does all of that, but across millions of companies at the same time and automatically. So we use a technology called natural language processing, which basically just means it's an algorithm that goes and looks for word patterns and uh, and keywords the same way you or I would, right? We're reading a news article, and there's one sentence that talks about a company's recent funding round, or there's a sentence about uh, a company hiring a new CEO. There are certain keywords that we're looking for, certain phrases that we're looking for, and our algorithms do, do the same thing. Uh, and so the way that then plays out for our customer is, uh, you know, our our market has really broadened significantly since those early days when we delivered this solution to the folks we used to work with and for. Nowadays, uh, big companies like UPS and Amazon and their sales departments and uh, investment banks and their investing departments, they get to, to access this, this data set. So you might be looking for information on one business, but what usually happens is uh, we actually – we actually surface opportunities for you before you even ask for it. So we'll know that, uh, you know, Dave likes talking to, I don't know, SaaS businesses that have raised at least a couple million dollars that are based in the United States that have been growing quickly. And then you'll just get a feed of opportunities like that from DataFox. Interesting. Okay. So are you actually going out to, you know, like an individual article or articles and saying that, hey, this company raise money and pulling that out and then putting it into a, a structured data set. That's right. Wow. Yeah, that's right. That's and not easy. Yeah. Yeah. So no, did, it's, it's, there's just so much content out there, right? Which is why you can't do it manually. So are you, uh, um, and so do you, I mean, I imagine you must get like a number of errors doing that, right? Because you don't know exactly what these articles are saying. Um, but maybe you've yeah. tuned it enough over, over the years. It's a good question, not to get into too much technical yeah, detail, right, but right. in, in, in uh, one thing I've learned is from, from the, the folks I work with here, there's a trade-off in machine learning between what's called precision and what's called recall. Uh, 
precision is what you just talked about. It is, are, is the algorithm right? So is it correctly identifying that this sentence is about uh, company X raising a funding round? Uh, on the other hand, recall is, are, and are we, is the algorithm finding everything that's out there or is it missing certain sentences? So you can see why there's a trade-off, right? Because if you try to be exhaustive and have high recall, but that you find everything, then gee, you might have, you might sacrifice a bit of precision. You might actually find a couple sentences that weren't weren't actually right. So that's the constant trade-off that uh, our engineering team is, is 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 ratcheting higher and higher. And as we get more and more experience, as we build out more and more algorithms you end up getting high precision and high recall. But you know, one thing we do is we invest a lot in quality assurance. So uh, there, we, we constantly run tests across our data set and certain samples or subsets we actually have people look at and scrutinize. And the nice thing about it is it's not a, uh, it's not a one-time effort. Like if we actually find a mistake somewhere, uh, it's actually a gift that keeps on giving because that, the fact that that was a mistake becomes an ingredient in making the machine learning algorithm more efficient and more effective. Uh, so if you've ever heard of the concept of supervised machine learning, that's kind of how that plays in. You've got these tests or people supervising the algorithm and therefore making it better and better over time. Gotcha. Okay. And before we keep diving down there, uh, can you can maybe give us a, a little overview on Data Fox, like the money raised, employees, kind of like your yeah. your some uh, example of clients. You've mentioned a couple, I think, at least now. But yeah, anything yeah. you can mention would be that'd be interesting. Yeah, definitely. So the, the business is uh, is close to four years old, and we're all based in in San Francisco. Uh, it's an exciting place to be, just because there's so much talent, especially when you're trying to build an artificial intelligence. Uh, company, you've got, you know, you've got great universities around here, but also just great companies that serve as phenomenal training ground for folks trying to get into uh, to build their expertise in that area. And also, it's nice to uh, to build a business here because there's so many great investors around here too, right? So we've we've raised close to ten million dollars in total uh, from Google Ventures and uh, Green Visor and Slack and. Uh, and Goldman Sachs. Slack is an interesting investor because we actually partnered with them first. Our uh, our data can be accessed in multiple ways, and one of them is if you use Slack, the the, mess- the new kind of business messaging app, then you can get instant insights from us right there in your messaging feed. Huh. And so uh, Slack turned around and said, "Look, our users are loving this. Can we invest in the company?" And so uh, so so they uh, deepened their partnership with us. Uh, that way, uh, yeah. I mentioned a few customers earlier. You know, a way to think about us is that we sell into uh, as, as a startup. You got to be focused, right? I think someday anybody in a job that involves uh, doing research on other companies or finding businesses to work with should use DataFox. That could include recruiters and real estate brokers and equity analysts and and what have you. But for now, we've stuck to areas that we just know really well, which, uh, which is twofold. Number one, uh, financial services, so banks and investment firms, they use DataFox to, to find opportunities and keep track of their clients. And then the second is anyone working in, in sales and marketing. And that's where companies like UPS and, and Amazon use us to find uh, find customers. It's fun because we're really turning what used to be a, a very manual process into a highly data-driven one. So 
Um, you know, for example, for for UPS, obviously it's a logistics company, and so uh, they have a, an enormous sales and marketing uh, department looking for opportunities to grow that that business. And it used to be a little uh, a, a little manual. Basically, if you were a sales rep or a marketer at UPS, you, you'd have to hit the phone book just to find potential customers. Now, what they figured out using DataFox is that actually there are certain things about companies that make them ripe for uh, to, for, for potent, becoming a potential customer. And uh, one of those things is when a company opens a new office, right? You can imagine when a company opens a new office, one of the first things they have to figure out is logistics by sending mail and, uh, and and partnering with a logistics provider to actually interact with their customer base. And so through DataFox, we provide a feed of exactly when that happens. Um, oh, so, but it's not just big companies we work with. There's a, okay. a very similar use case. is a company in New York called Managed by Q. They offer um, office cleaning services. It's also a really cool company. If you're opening an office, it's a pain to kind of figure out which cleaning service to, to work with and to manage that service. Managed by Q does all that for you. It's a really cool service. Same thing. They want to know when companies are opening new offices, but they can't kind of figure that out manually. So our algorithms are basically monitoring the tri- tri-state area, and any time a business opens an office, we let them know. And uh, it's great for both sides. Can you imagine you're opening an office there, and that exact day or week, yeah, you get a you get a call that says, "Hey, uh, you might need some office cleaning services." Yeah, it's like, great. Uh-huh. Yes, you hit me at the right time. Yeah, it'll, it'll make me think about, you know, because I work, as we talked about before the interview with different uh, clients, just how, I mean, kind of think about what would be ideal, and you might, mm-hmm. you might and usually if something ideal like opening an office is impossible, but with you guys, now it might be possible, so that, that yeah. opens a world of possibilities. <laughs> yeah. interesting. Yeah. Can, can somebody come to you and say, so. can somebody come to you and say, hey, we really want to figure out x would you guys put together I mean, yeah put together a custom program or if they paid enough yeah <laughs> that's a great great question every i've learned every business is different right even though there's that uh, there's some similarity in how i just described how a business like ups and a business like managed by q want to grow their business there's always some idiosyncrasies and every business is a little different so this happens all the time people come in and they say oh, I'm especially interested in knowing when a company hires a VP of sales or I want to know when a when a business files a new patent or uh, I want to know when businesses sponsor a conference and this is just this is golden feedback for us to get this is exactly how we've prioritized the the 70 now we call them company signals that we were able to, to track across millions of companies. So we've got this, uh, you know, running huge running list of, of very specific events like that, that people have asked us to track and that we will over time uh, incorporate into the product. Interesting. All right. And can you take us back to before you even started data Fox? I'm curious, you know, you, you definitely had a lot of experience leading up to this saying, this is a good idea, but uh, how did you, how do you kind of get it off the ground? Did you raise some money in order to build initial products? Because you, it's it's kind of a, I mean, if you had just one signal, you know, you mentioned 70 now, but at the beginning, you probably didn't have a lot. So how do yeah. you get enough so that a client would actually want to buy this? Yeah, that's a, that, that's a good question. You know, we spent quite a bit of time. I think it was about a year that uh, Mike and Ben and Alden, there are, uh, our engineering co-founders, 
So the four of us spent probably about a year in a in a dark incubator somewhere, <laughs> kind of working on the prototype. That's the reality of building uh, an artificial intelligence-based technology, right? It does take time. Uh, so what what I described to you earlier about how we use training data uh, to supervise our algorithms and make them smarter over time, you know, it it took us the better part of the year to actually get to a point where it was throwing off interesting insights. It's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's difficult. You can't build a, a data company, certainly not an AI company, um, overnight. But I think what gave us hope was um, two things. First of all, you know, Mike and I had gone to business school. One of the best things about business school is that you're surrounded by, by hundreds of people who have done all kinds of uh, interesting jobs before business school. So there were former investment analysts and bankers and people who had run sales teams, people who had worked in marketing. So even though the product wasn't up and running uh, from day one, we were able to show them our our prototypes and our thoughts and, and get, get feedback on those prototypes and, and designs. So that's how we knew if we could, if we could build this, it would save people a lot of time and, and drive huge benefits to people who, who need insights like this. The second thing was, uh, we did, we raised a nice seed round even before we had, we launched, okay. uh, we had built those algorithms. So, um, Google Ventures was one of our seed investors. And, uh, you, know, you know, this, if you're building a data company, there's no one better than Google to <laughs> have on your side. And one of the best things about that was they introduced us to some of their data experts. And for example, some of the people behind Google Finance and, and their search algorithms and things like oh, that. Cool. Wow. That, that helped us avoid some, some major pitfalls that we wouldn't have known about if, if we hadn't had access to people like that. Huh. Interesting. How much was that round, the initial seed round? The first round was $2 million. Yeah, yeah. We knew we'd need to, it was on the bigger side of seed rounds, I think, but we knew we needed some time. Well, that's nice. That, yeah, that is a hefty, uh, hefty seed round, especially for the Midwest out there. Probably not unheard of out here before having a product on the market. That's, uh, yeah. that's hard to do. Well, there are pros and cons. It's uh, life's expensive out here. You know? So yeah. we've, we've thought about opening uh, offices elsewhere. We probably will at some point. Nice. Well, you should uh, come to the Midwest, come to Madison. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, Madison, yeah. Madison is I've a... I've heard great things. Yeah, that's a, that's a good place. But um, all right. And so uh, I was curious, you know, where you kind of want to take the... Uh, I guess the AI part, I mean, is your, you know, your vision for the next three to five years, is it a lot around increasing this number of, uh, company signals from 70 to more? Um, what else do you want to, uh, kind of build into your platform? Yeah, definitely. You know, at, at times it feels like we're building, uh, at times it feels like we're building three different products in one. Uh, there's the, those three components are, the data piece, the the insights or algorithms piece, and the the workflow piece, and uh, one or two of those without the other wouldn't wouldn't really uh, wouldn't do it for our customers. They really go hand in hand. What it means is, obviously, a lot, you know, first and foremost, we have to have good, reliable data. Those algorithms that go find in, find information about millions of companies. If we're wrong it kind of, it all stops there, right? So we have to come up with very efficient, novel ways to 
to find out you know, how many people work at each company and how quickly are they growing and do they have multiple offices and what are these milestones that the business is hitting? That, that's all got to be right. And we put a ton of time into that. Number two, it's the insights or algorithms based on all those insights. You know, so we're, we're when is it really in a, when is it really uh, when is an important milestone hit? Like, uh, okay, we're tracking all this data on a business. Are they now suddenly hiring a lot more people or did they just open their first international office? It's uh, turning a, a, a humongous database into the, uh, the insights that are most important around each of those businesses. And then thirdly, it's the workflow integration. You know, we all, this isn't about, some people talk about millennials and how their workflow expectations are different. I don't think it's about millennials. It's that we are all used to information being pushed our way, not just information, but uh, the right insight at the right time. And we're used to this as consumers. The example I always think of is if you have a Southwest flight booked tomorrow, you expect to 24 hours in advance get a little uh, notification or an email that says, hey, Dave, it's time to check in for your flight. And then you expect it to be a couple of quick taps on your phone, you're checked in, and now the ticket is saved on your phone and you can just breeze, breeze through the airport. Uh, and we all ex- we're increasingly expecting our business apps and our business tools to work the same way. So for for DataFox as a, as a data provider, you know we we have to be mindful of this, and we see it all the time. Like people shouldn't have to log into DataFox.com to get a key insight. We should push it to them before they even ask for it. So if you're a sales rep working at you know managed by Q, that cleaning service company. You should get uh, an alert in the morning that says, "Hey, Dave, uh, of all the of all the companies you've been talking to recently, here are three that just uh, opened a new office, or uh, there's a business you met with a year ago that you you should perhaps get back in touch with, or you know, here are two companies you don't even know about yet, but that look very similar to businesses you've worked with in in the past." That's what people are beginning to expect. And so that's why I say your, your question was, where, where, do you, where do you see this going for the next couple of years? We, we have to keep investing in, in all three. More and more reliable data about more and more companies. Uh, more and more of these interesting insights that are actually actionable. And then these great workflow integrations, whether it's, it's through Slack or in an email or in your CRM, like if you use Salesforce, for example, uh, we, have to, we have to do the work for you. Interesting. Okay, and uh, and do you do you share uh, costs to do this for whether it's well, I don't have to give a you know example of managed by Q or how much they might yeah. be paying. Do you uh, do you say that publicly at all? Yeah. Well, well I mean, I can share. It's it's uh, it's in the it's anywhere from five to six figures uh, a year. Okay. But uh, it, there are really so many dependencies. Yeah. Like how big how big is the team and what's the volume of, of uh, data and work that you'd be doing through DataFox. So, uh, yeah, there, there's all, there are all kinds of structures. And then, yeah, it's, there are so many ways to interact with our data now. So are you using the CRM integration? A lot of sophisticated companies now, they're actually uh, using our API. So they just uh, interact directly with our database to get, to get what they need. So there are many, many different ways to, to structure uh, an engagement with us. Interesting. Okay. And what type of uh, issues have you ran into around uh, machine learning? I I think uh, I'm trying to get at is that 
often people read about machine learning AI, AI and think you click a button and it's kind of like magic mm-hmm. all happens. <laughs> but uh, um, that's probably not quite the truth. Yeah. And uh, just curious, uh, um, you know, if you have any insights or if any uh, any lessons learned um, that you can share that aren't uh, too top secret, I guess. Sure. You mean in terms of uh, in terms of from our perspective building it, yes. or in terms of from our customers' perspective using it? Uh, more from building it. Building it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny because especially here in the valley, we see the term AI get tossed around pretty loosely nowadays. <laughs> yeah. And now uh, I can't blame people because it's a big theme. Companies, big and small, are talking about it. You know, IBM Watson. You see that everywhere nowadays. Uh, I think. Something I've learned is that uh, I think generalized AI, which is you know kind of the science fiction image of a a robot that behaves and thinks like a human and uh, kind of does anything that that we could, I think that's quite far off. But um, use case specific AI is already very advanced. And uh, and so that, that's where I, I think that the most powerful AI solutions are those that are designed for a, a specific functionality for a specific use case. And I think a lot of it comes down to, again, the, the training data that's required to build these algorithms that actually make the right decisions. You, can, you know, Google can train its uh, image recognition algorithms to recognize when a picture is of a cat uh, but or, or of a dog. But it, it's taken years and uh, just millions of instances of training data to help get those algorithms to the point where, where they might recognize a, a cat in a picture. Now, that same algorithm cannot be used to find a, uh, find UPS a new customer. You know what I mean? So I think that, that's, that's been our lesson that um, in, in terms of how AI can actually help our customers and so what we actually need to build, it's... Let's be very concrete about how this functionality can help our customers, and let's then build the algorithm that's specifically tailored to to getting that done. So within our stack, we've got different instances of machine learning based algorithms that do different things. We've got one that is able to extract these uh, these milestones from from a piece of text. We've got a totally different one that tells you which businesses most closely compete with uh, a company you're, you're looking at. So there's just di- di- different specific uh, functionality. Interesting. Okay. And you know, when a company starts using it, do you have an idea of how much time you might save them? I mean, this is a pretty loaded question, but you probably looked into it a little bit, like kind of the ROI or um, yeah. I'm just curious if you have any insights on what you found. Yeah. Yeah, it, uh, it it depends on on the use case. You know, if um, if you're a uh, if you're a sales rep and you're uh, you do a lot of prospecting, so you're constantly looking for new new businesses to reach out to, then we save that person time in in a couple of different ways. Actually, one of them is purely on the automation front, you're probably having to go find it. You're probably having to, once you find a business, you now have to pull all of the information about that business into your CRM. Your manager wants you to do that otherwise, and, and the right to want you to do that because otherwise you're going to lose track of all, of all these, of all these prospects. So that, that can take anywhere from five to 20 minutes 
for you to fill in, just fill in the information on one and go find it and fill it in. So that's the first thing we, we save someone time on, just the automated flows of this information. Uh, it's a little harder to, to quantify is you know, just finding the right opportunities in the first place. And that's where I think when, when people look at how DataFox helps them on, on that, in that regard, it's perhaps even more importantly than saving them time. It's just finding them the right opportunities. And what people have found with DataFox is that they end up finding businesses that are a better fit. Therefore, they're more likely to get a response from those prospects. And these tend to be happier prospects over time because they're a better fit. And they tend to be uh, customers for longer and pay more. So it's it's just better for both sides. And so depending on who we're talking to, we might look at it more from a, a time-saving perspective, or we might look at it more from a just driving revenues frankly perspective yeah no, that makes sense if we can drive revenue people always uh are little people are people people get happy pretty easily um, <laughs> yeah 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 that's right so all right so we're almost done but uh i got a f- couple more on the personal side of things just if uh if your game just to get to know you a little bit better i'm always curious like what yeah, do you yeah. do outside of work I mean, I know you probably work a lot, but uh, <laughs> what do you do yeah. when you're not working? Yeah, yeah, sure. Well, during the week, um, I try to. I, I'm a pretty. I'm definitely a, a morning person, so I get into the office really early, probably like uh, six thirty in the morning or oh, something wow. like that. But I, I, <laughs> I try to, uh, as as often as possible, find an hour in the afternoon to go for a run. And uh, I mean, San Francisco is a, a beautiful city, and it's rarely. The weather conditions are rarely prohibitive, so we're, our office is pretty close to what's called the Embarcadero. It's a road that runs along the along the bay, so I actually block that time on my calendar okay. to make sure I kind of get out of the office and, and go for a run. But the week, honestly, Monday to Friday, it's pretty centered around around the work. The nice thing, though, is that I get to interact with so many interesting people. Right, our customers tend to be sales leaders and marketers and investors, so uh, I guess work borders on fun. Uh, pretty, pretty, pretty closely for me there. Uh, but then in the, on the weekends, you know, it's like, uh, I try to spend as much time outside as possible. I, uh, enjoy, enjoy sports. So tennis, I used to be a rugby player, but I'm too old for that wow. now. And, uh, that'd be, that, that'd be almost life threatening at this stage. <laughs> um, and, uh, other than that, you know, hikes is beautiful, beautiful hikes around here and uh, hop on the bike every once in a while. Gotcha. Interesting. All right. And my next question is how do you find a little happiness each day? But you might have already answered it with your run. Well, and talking to customers, I guess, and, and um, other fo- yeah. and stuff. But yeah, anything else that you yeah. do to, or in your life? Yeah, I guess one other thing that comes to mind is uh, my family is pretty pretty spread out. Uh, my, my folks, they, they live in Singapore. Oh, wow. uh, my brother lives in, uh, in Belgium. And my sister... She uh, used to live in uh, the Netherlands, but she now lives in Singapore as well. So trying to kind of, I know that the, the, the morning, early morning or uh, or evening is the right time to call Singapore. So I kind of uh, know kind of which times I, I can touch base with folks there. And that, that always, uh, that, that gives me happiness when I get oh. to touch base with, with the folks. I like that one. All right. And, so, and, and lastly, you know, um, obviously you enjoy what you do and you have, you give off some good energy here, but uh, I'm sure you get stressed sometimes too. And, you know, you're running a startup with a uh, raise large amount of money, have a lot of employees, you know, what, when you get stressed out, you know, how do you, uh, how do you cope with it? You know, do you talk to people? Do you, uh, 
read something? Do you just like punch something? I'm always curious how people feel. Yeah. I guess the three things that come to mind immediately there are uh, the, uh, the going outside, going for a run, clear the head. That always helps. Secondly, I, I find a lot of support in my, uh, my fiance. Uh, she's incredibly supportive and can, can really help me think through things. And then thirdly, uh, there are a lot of other people building businesses around here. And even though a lot of the publicity is always, you know, so rosy and positive, companies growing quickly and, you know, everything's just hunky dory. Uh, if you, if you, when I actually talk to folks, everybody's, figuring out similar similar challenges, right? And everybody goes through ups and downs. So I find a lot of support from just other founders in the community here uh, who you can kind of build a, a relationship with where you're sounding board to each other. Uh, I used to have a, have a friend who's running a company here and uh, everyone probably would pick up the phone and we're like, how are you doing? Are you in a peak or a valley? And that's the reality. <laughs> it's, a, it's a high beta that's job, good. you know? It's like, yeah. When you when you walk out of a meeting with a customer and they're happy and you close a deal, there's no better feeling. When you when you hire somebody who's great, there's no better feeling. Or you know, conversely, if the site's down for for 15 minutes, or uh, you know your uh, your investor asks you a tough question about something that you didn't have an answer for right away, those are kind of harrowing, challenging moments. And uh, and so you, you kind of it's good to have a sounding board of other founders where you kind of even each other, equalize each other out. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's a really good point. I mean, I think people often see the media and expect everything to be, I mean, occasionally they write about things going bad, but yeah, a lot of ups and downs. That's, that's good. Yeah. 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 Well, I, yeah, I think that's a great way to end this podcast. Uh, Bastian, just definitely appreciate your time and your thoughts. And, uh, it was great. Yeah. And you, you speak English quite well. My goodness. Oh, thank <laughs> I, you. I could never thank tell you. that you grew up in the Netherlands. That's pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. I really appreciate the great questions and, uh, and the time. Definitely. And, uh, and thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode of Flyover Labs. As always, I greatly appreciate it. And I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did because I think what Data Fox is doing is pretty interesting. And, man, you guys are putting together quite a, a – well, I was going to say data set, but – quite a data intelligence company so excited to see where you guys go thank you very much that's awesome all right bye everyone